Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. A Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined, as always, by Colin Watt. How are you, Colin? Not too bad. Good for a Monday. Um, let's let's uh, keep the power of positivity going as we extended our lead at the top of the table this weekend. I, I love that. Absolutely, yes. There is a, a positivity around that result of the weekend. We're going to be pouring over some of the the major talking points, Colin, of which there were a few. Um, and we'll be looking ahead, obviously, to Tuesday night, Shakhtar Donetsk, and we'll be asking the question, can Celtic get their Euro campaign back on track as well, Colin? And there's been a lot of chat around about that as well. Uh, you look dubious to that to that question. Who knows? Have you got your tickets? 
Got a ticket for Shakhtar, trying to get something sorted for Madrid. So, um, this, sure. I think there's there's plenty of us going, but um, trying to get tickets. I think there'll be a lot of Spanish Madrid fans in the Celtic end, or vice versa. Actually, talking of Spain, um, our very own resident playwright Jim Orr, who appears every second Friday on a Celtic State of Mind. Uh, who is a multi-talented individual, Colin, it's got to be said. He's a guy that set up the original Save Our Celts campaign, which became, it didn't become, but you know, it led, it paved the way for another movement a few years down the line. Save Our Celts moved into um, Celts for Change. That's the name of the, the Celts for Change movement, with Matt and all these guys. Um, and from there, he started writing plays. And you know what he did the other day? He came into the studio... And he, he spoke about his memories of Seville back mm. in the day. And Jim being Jim, he took a camcorder to Seville and he walked about filming everything, which is tremendous. So he's got footage of the day um, at the fountain. With, I think it was Charlie and the boys were playing live. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he actually smuggled the camcorder into, because it was before the old smartphones, Colin, into the stadium. He's got the um, lap of honour at the end, various other bits and bobs. And it's interesting because there's going to be so many people out there who were at Seville who remember, you know, the day leading up to it, uh, the, the night before, all that stuff. Jim's captured it all on a camcorder. There was a funny thing about the um, Challenge of Boys gig is that you mentioned it was in the sort of the fountain with the square and stuff like that. Um, I wasn't in Seville, but my uncle's friends were, and they always tell me that they were sat outside this cafe um, and they were sitting having a couple of drinks and then it went came round to it that they all had tickets to go see Charlie and the Boys, so they went to go in to see Charlie and the Boys and within 10 minutes, the bar was run dry. So you couldn't get a drink for the, the couple of hours that Charlie and the Boys were playing, whereas they just left the cafe, which was plentifully stocked of supply. Did they but, go to um, the toilet, though? Did they go and just use the toilet facilities instead? Uh, I bet they didn't. That's, bet that's, they didn't. That's, that's one for the other side of the city. Come Absolutely. On. Right, so the reason I told you that is because we're talking about Spain, but um, we've now got, as you would have expected, we now have the footage. We're going to pull it together. Um, we've done a wee interview with Jim. <clears throat> um, it would have been out probably this weekend, but obviously we had a wee mishap last week with um, our videographer, Kelvin, who we hope will get better soon um, so the weekend videos won't be happening until such times as um, he's up and running and fit and firing on all cylinders talking of which firing on all cylinders we went into the weekend's game calling I was asking the questions are we back to our free flowing best well we went out and scored another four goals that's 14 goals in three games but it wasn't as easy as the, the two games previously we're going to be digging into some of the talking points but overall what was your kind of view on the game? You didn't manage to get a ticket, did you, for Time Castle? No, no I mean... Plenty of empty seats as well, once again. Madness. Again, there's a massive area segregation left, which was probably not needed. Um, yeah, as you say, plenty of empty seats. But, look, Hearts have done this now for a couple of seasons. I don't think there's much that's going to change that. Um, going into it, when I looked at the lineup, I was a bit surprised that such a, a big important game like that that we continue to make these continuous rotational changes it almost takes me back to the old um, Liverpool side under Rafa Benitez and I think he went was it something like 43 different lineups in a row that he had when he was in charge of them 
because no. he just kept rotating it and rotating it and rotating it. He never had the same eleven, um, and it was one of his downfalls in the end when he, he kind of left um, Liverpool was the fact that he kept rotating his team. Mm. Um, so I was surprised to see that many changes coming in, um, especially guys like Dyson Maeda, who really looks as if he's been off form. I know he obviously um, was kind of coming back into it a wee bit over the last few games, but when you look at the performances that we've had, James Forrest going to Hatchick and being left out, these rotational changes are kind of, for me, after the, the St Mirren game, I thought that would be the end of it. Mm. I thought that would maybe be a lesson learned. Um, but to be fair to Angie, sticking to it, and in the end it worked out. But there was times during that game where you're going, we're doing this far too often and it's going to come back and bite us in the back the backside. Well, you know, there's a way, I think, of doing the, the rotation, I think, in the modern game, particularly when you're playing in four tournaments, Colin, it's it's just a necessary um, way to manage your squad. I've always been really concerned when it's wholesale changes. Um, but I think, you know, at the weekend, talking to Liam actually during the game and after, he was talking about, you know, we maybe should have expected a blip by making big changes in Paisley, as we did. But some of the guys who didn't perform so well back then in that game, I think are starting to perform pretty well. And I want to talk about Moy at some point during the during the bulletin as well. Uh, he's coming for a lot, of, a lot of stick, a lot of criticism, Colin, but um, I think you can see his value. And I think we saw mm-hmm. it against uh, Hearts as well. You go into a game against Hearts at Tynecastle, you know what you're getting. You know that the atmosphere, some some ex-players who have played in Scotland going about the atmosphere at um, Tynecastle as being one of the best. I often find it quite toxic, to be fair. So you know what you're getting there. Um, and you know Every time Tony Ralston had to go over to retrieve the ball, for example, Colin. Yeah, he was getting the ball thrown at him. It was, uh, oh, you know, it's constant. No surprise. Uh, it's, it's no surprise. Um, I, I honestly think that, and no offence to um, any Hearts fans that, will be, that may be watching, but I think some of your support let you down and, you're, and they are to me the second worst support in Scotland and you've got pals who are jambos as well haven't you yeah yeah. no I mean it is one of the ones if you're a Celtic player going to that cauldron um, you know there's I've been watching a lot of pods um, they're calling still calling them podcasts even though you know, I thought a podcast was an audio thing. But anyway, I've been watching a lot of the Joe Cole ones, Colin. I don't know if you've managed to catch any of them. Yeah. Um, they're pretty good, actually. I would recommend them because obviously he played you know, with and against some of the biggest names in, in the English game. And a lot of them are coming on his show. Some of them are only about 20 minutes, 30 minutes long, but they're decent. But they're talking about how sometimes the best atmospheres, uh, the ones that, in, that are meant to be intimidating, uh, some of the players were talking about going over to some of the grounds in Turkey uh, on European duty, for example, mm-hmm. Colin, but actually thriving on it because it, it just, you know, actually gets them into the, the state of mind that they need to be in. Um, and I don't know what it's like as a player at, at Tynecastle, but it certainly does feel a bit uh, toxic, you know, if you're at the game or watching it on the TV. Christopher Patterson, anyone who says there is no conspiracy against Celtic, clearly have not watched their games recently. Not only is there a conspiracy, there is also a lot of bias and cheating. Now, three big words in that that message there from Christopher, that comment, Colin. Conspiracy, bias, cheating. Now, there comes a point where you just have to have an adult discussion about this, right? And I'm not knocking any of the three descriptions, (laughs) particularly after watching that game at the weekend. Where, Where do you think... 
the refereeing, right? And I don't mean as a whole. Let's focus on Celtic. Let's focus on the fact that, you know, when you look at the, the penalties, for example, that Celtic don't get. And it, not just at the weekend, I just mean across the board. I was looking at an interesting table there uh, on uh, on Twitter. And the table shows that it's been 16 games since Celtic mm-hmm. had a penalty domestically. Yeah. The only team that have had, who have waited longer is Ross County. So what you do is you look at, obviously, the teams who are in possession more often in the final third of the opposition's um, area, you would expect to win more penalties. They're the law, the law yeah. of averages. And mm-hmm. when you look at the table, generally speaking, those at the, the kind of the more defensive sides or who are under the cost, who are nearer the bottom of the table, are at the bottom of this table. But Celtic are second bottom in terms of how long they've waited for a penalty kick. Um, there's loads of other figures that I've looked at you know the length of time it's taken Celtic to get three penalties and how many penalties Rangers have had in the same period and it's astonishing and they, they types of figures I can understand why some Celtic fans look at it and think there is something afoot Colin and as much as you try your hardest not to think that sometimes it's undeniable that at the weekend was was one of the worst examples I've seen of refereeing in this country. Um, throw it VAR on top of it. You know, VAR's a part of it. But let's just talk about, about the refereeing performance, including VAR. That was worst, one of the worst examples I, I, I have ever seen in 30-odd years of watching Scottish football, Colin. What's your take on it? We, we spoke about this last week, and when you look at the decisions and how long it takes for a referee to come to these decisions... Um, you can totally understand what uh, the, the gentleman was just saying there and how you can come to that conclusion. We spoke about this last week. The standard of refereeing in Scottish football is absolutely dreadful. And even this introduction of VAR, I've said this for a long time, I was never for the introduction of VAR in Scottish football because all I think it does is highlight how incompetent our referees are. I don't think it's going to make them any better at all. I mean, you take a look at it, the three decisions, the three key decisions on Saturday was the two penalties given to Hearts and then the penalty not given to Celtic. Now, if you watch that footage back and you look at where the referee is Mm. for each of those decisions, he is in a clear eyesight of that incident. To be fair to him, he's got himself in the right position. What he hasn't done is given the correct decision. And the fact that it's taken three, four, five minutes to get to that point where he's went over to the screen to see that the tackle was a foul. Mm-hmm. And the, I can't remember which one it was that he, he ended up going over to, to look at it for. But that's that's far too long. See if you can't make a decision up after 45 seconds of watching that footage back, then you've got to go with what your original mind thought is. There is no way that you can continue to let the game go on for five minutes and then say, all right, we're going to change it now. And then to not even look at the Celtic one. It's almost as if I've already I've already done two or three. I'm not going to be bothered going and checking this one. I just want to get in at time Because it was just about, what, the 51st minute of the half yeah. at that point? Yep. It was desperate to get in. Look, there's going to be a lot of these incidents going forward, right? And... I can see why a lot of people are going to say that it's a conspiracy, that it's um, biased, that it's 
um, prejudiced against Celtic, look, and you can understand why when you look at the the figures and you look at the statistics. Mm, absolutely. But see when you individually break down every single decision that's made or goes to VAR across Scottish football it isn't just Celtic that come out of this the reason that Celtic as you said quite rightly are highlighted more is because of how many sort of not how many how much time Celtic spend in the opposition half Mm -hmm. how much time Celtic spend on the attack how many times they get into the opposition box because they are an offensive minded team the likes of Ross County you said is the other team that haven't um, mm-hmm. haven't what was it 17 games 17 games the, the, the last time they had a penalty was 17 games ago yeah when you take a look at that how many times did they actually get into the opposition box I'd love to see the heat over map over those Colin. 17 games yeah I'd love to see the heat map because Celtic will be in the opposition's final third for a great majority of every game domestically but and the, the problem that you've got Paul is when Celtic call this out if they ever get round to calling this out mm. it always comes round to the fact of what are you doing that for? You won the game anyway. Yeah. As if, I, I, as if it's just a, a case of, well, it didn't affect you anyway, you won the game. But you're looking for the game to be played on a, a level playing field mm-hmm. where, yes, the Hearts' decisions were correct. It took them long enough to get there, but they were correct. But that the decision against Hearts was not correct. And all you're asking for is that if those three decisions go to VAR, that you get the correct rules by the law of the game. That's all you're asking for. We're going to run through some of them. Um, when Christopher's point came up earlier and I said that we've got to have an adult discussion about it, what I meant by that is um, if we look at the three buzzwords, the main words that were used in that that comment, so we're looking at cheating, conspiracy and bias, right? Now, cheating in Scottish football terms, we have already sh- uh, been proven um, it's already been proven it's very difficult to prove cheating Colin right sporting advantage and all this kind of stuff so we'll pack that for a moment because I'm, I'm asking a question could we actually prove that and the answer would probably be no conspiracy probably falls into the same bracket mm-hmm. but bias you cannot rule out bias because we all know that that exists in all walks of life right so even if we were just to focus on that we would probably still come to the same um, result which is that, yes, there is there is a bias against Celtic uh, or there is a bias against any team playing Rangers. So if we park the conspiracy and the cheating for a moment, because it would be particularly difficult to prove that, um, but you, you, you can prove bias. Virtually every person, if not every person watching this show at the minute, um, we, there are different unconscious biases. There are, Colin. It's, it's just the way that it is. Um, and I remember reading a, a really interesting study when four four two was a really good mag, long before you started writing for it, Colin. Oh, yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> um, no, I actually remember, to qualify that statement, I remember when four four two came on the shelves. You won't. It was probably before you were born. Um, yeah, and it was, it was different. It was so different because back then, your football mags were things like, you know, Roy the Rovers or Shoot or Match, you know, comics basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the high-browed one was probably World Soccer. If you were sitting on the school mm-hmm. bus with one of them, God knows what you were thinking, right? But um, then 442 came along and there was a really, really interesting piece, long-form piece about how no matter how you know drilled you are as a footballer, how much you're paid 
um, what trophy you're going for, what success you're going for, you are still far more likely to pass to someone you like than pass to the ball to someone you don't like. And it just comes into the biases that are all inbuilt. So biases will exist with football referees in Scotland. And the question would be, and the easiest thing to prove would be, where do those biases lie? And that's your starting point, because then at that point you can do something about it. I tell you what, Paul, there's an interesting point we brought up here. Um, we were just asking about this a minute ago. When you look at the possession stats of being in the, the sort of final third of the 18-yard box and stuff like that. Now, Hearts, I don't know where Hearts sat on that table, but obviously they got the two penalties there at the weekend. Hearts was um, top of the table. Well, there you go. There's, a, there's no surprise then. Mm-hmm. Um, and Celtic having less than 50% of the final third possessions in the 18-yard box. I do feel at times that's... I mean, you've got to be in the box to get the penalties in the first place, right? But but that's one game. Yeah, that is. What, I don't know if that's one game or if that's. Because the there's no way, to, there's no way over a, a course of a season Celtic are in the opposition box less than fifty percent. We need to get that person to le- back less and than clarify that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you take a look at it, and yeah, there's going to be decisions where VAR goes for us and VAR goes against us, and in the first clear instance of this being sort of the focus on it because it's the first weekend of it being introduced into Scottish football, it went against us. And a lot of people will say that is no surprise. That is showing the bias that can be there. Mm-hmm. Now, you take a look at what VR comes down to. Now, the first one, it was the, the assistant referee that gave the penalty. The second one, the referee gives it himself when he goes over and looks at it. And the third one is the assistant referee in the room that tells him it's not a penalty because it's not clear and obvious to be overturned. What does this come back to once again? It comes back to the fact that although there's technology being used, it all comes down to who is actually interpreting the rules, whether it be Nick Walsh on the pitch or whoever was in the VER studio watching it back. And if they're not up to a level to understand that the ball hitting Michael Smith's hand as he moves it towards the ball yeah. almost dribbles it like a basketball is, is a penalty kick if they don't understand that then they shouldn't be refereeing in Scottish football and but also, that is the level we're at yeah. that is the level Scottish referees are at but a couple of things uh, following up for what you're saying there uh, interesting enough it was the boy Smith wasn't it that, that should have Michael given away that penalty yeah. yeah Michael Smith as soon as he pulls his arm away and he's looking, he you know, the body language, he look, the, the, the behaviour after the event, and he looks around, it, like almost looks at the ref to see what the ref's going to do, right? Because obviously he knows, you know, when something, you know, the ball's hit you in the arm, but he knows he's given away a penalty. Um, the other one, Crawford Allen comes out last season. It's Crawford Allen, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Yeah, comes out last season because uh, your man Kyogo beat the offside trap. And it was a tight decision. You'll remember it. one nothing game, mm-hmm. right? And it comes yeah. out the following week. Because, I mean, what what level of controversy um, will result in him coming out to make a statement? Oh, well, Kyogo scores a goal and upsets a few jambos. Well, the performance at the weekend after such a big hoo-ha around the introduction, the early introduction, um, if you're going to come out and speak about Kyogo, come out and let's hear what you've got to say about the performance of your referees. Yeah. Um, and I doubt that's going to happen. Yeah, people were going to be very unhappy in the comment section in relation to that. So 
you know, we're not just going to skim over it, Colin. We will talk about the performance. Yeah. We'll talk about a lot of the positives, but we will also we'll come back to the VR stuff um, as well. We'll look at each of the the incidents because I would like to know what you, your thoughts were on you know, each individual incident. I, I guarantee you, Paul, that see if you went this weekend and VR gave every single decision correctly, you would have the SFA coming out here this afternoon with a, a statement saying, this is a great, fantastic introduction of VAR. We're delighted it's been introduced into Scottish football. We think it's going to revolutionise the Scottish game. But because there's been some instance where, I mean, high-level match officials down south have looked at it and says, you've got that wrong, mm-hmm. there will not be a word mentioned. Not one word. No, there won't. And another thing, again, it's all about accountability, right? So you, you look at that, I've seen, a, I've read a couple of blogs this morning talking about the level of accountability, talking about how, um, you know, Celtic should request or demand to hear the conversation between McLean and, and Walsh at the decisions, etc. And And to be honest, I don't know the process and I don't know the viability of that, but even if you're working in a call centre, right, taking phone calls uh, for any company out there, you're, you're monitored to the mm. nth degree, Colin, in case you make a mistake. You know, and, and you think that when, and I'm not belittling any jobs, I've worked in a call centre for years myself, and when you're looking at the, the high level of importance in relation, and the financial gain or otherwise, um, in, in football and professional football, you do hope that there is levels of uh, monitoring that are going, you know, going on behind the scenes, so that these performances, as bad as they are, could improve. Yeah. Is is that the case? I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think there is something very similar coming in in English football very soon, where you will be able to hear the conversation between the referee and the um, video assistant referee. They do it in other sports. It's done very, done very, very well. I don't know if you've watched the the, the rugby when they go to the sort of VER person in the um, the booth and they get them to review, whether it be a high tackle, whether it be whether the ball crossed the line for a try, and they, they change the camera angles, they slow it down, they, they get it to the point where they can make a clear and obvious decision based on the technology and the footage that's there. Mm-hmm. It just seems to be that in Scotland, it's uh, in football, sorry, with the VER, it's just a case of everybody's standing there not knowing what's going on. I mean, that, it took far too long for those decisions to be made. I mean, we're, we're talking about three, four minutes at a time to, to come to make a decision. And even after those three, four minutes, not everybody's 100% sure it's the right decision. See, see, if you take the decisions away for a moment, Colin, I'm going to ask you um, about the fan experience of VAR. Forgetting the incidents for, for a second, the waiting about, something Ange spoke about after the game, he, he says that's not theatre for me kind of thing, and I, I tend to agree. What does that do to the, the experience of you as a fan? I mean, I actually haven't been in any situation I can think of where VAR's overturned anything um, so far, and that's just been um, at the Champions League games, uh, Europa League as well, but I think for those that are, I mean, I've, I've seen it in English football, being at some of the games that I've been at, and you're kind of just, you, you see the players are hesitant to celebrate and the fans are hesitant to celebrate because they don't know. And then eventually when the check's complete, maybe one, two minutes later, it's like a delayed celebration and you're going, 
it's just not the same. So it's almost a relief rather than yeah. a, the, you know that instant emotion I mean, that you would the, feel. Yeah. Look at the gra- look at the delight that went through the support when Greg Taylor scored that fourth goal. I know of how hard that we'd worked to get there, and um, and to be honest, I think a lot of people were absolutely delighted for Greg. Um, to get on the, the end of the, the ball to put it in the back of the net after his performances recently. Um, but imagine you go and do that and then the next minute you're sitting there for three or four minutes just to make sure somebody's left toe isn't offside. Well, it's, it's a good point because we, we talk about how you or, or why football is so alluring. Some might say addictive. Certainly it would um, result in many of us becoming obsessed, Colin. We talk and think about football every single day. And if you don't get that, you're not a football fan, right? Now, I only know it from the perspective of a, of a Celtic supporter. You and I worked for ages with um, another show where we were obviously speaking quite uh, a bit to other fans of other clubs. Mm-hmm. It would appear that they feel the same way. You never think yeah. about that, do you? You just think about Celtic and in the Celtic sphere. Um, but part of that is... and. You know, I still think this exists even in the modern game, Colin, is that there's that unbridled emotion that you feel when things go your way, when you score a goal. And it's, I mean, people used to work in really, really demanding jobs all week. And this was a working class yep. thing where at the weekend you could go, you could scream and shout, sing songs, you could behave in a way. Um, I mean, where else would you see many of these people singing and all that kind of stuff? You don't. But in a football environment, it allows you to do that, but it's the emotion of that instantaneous realisation that you've just scored a goal. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that is what VAR really is affecting? That's what it's soaking out of the game? The best example of that would be the Champions League, was it semi-final, quarter-final? Maybe two, three years ago, between Manchester City and Spurs. And I think Raheem Sterling scored in the 95th, 96th minute to take Man City through. And the game was just about done. It was the last kick of the ball. The Man City uh, fans is, um, clapped very loudly, as they do. They don't celebrate well. They, they're not much of a, a wild crowd down at City, but they clapped. They were enjoying themselves. Only for two minutes later, it to be turned round and Sterling was offside by a couple of millimetres. And that took the, the fact that they had progressed in that tie and gave it straight over to Spurs. Now, what a relief that would be if you're a Spurs fan. You would you would wildly celebrate that, I'm assuming. But imagine just having that torn away from you, mm. having that sort of moment that you speak about, the sort of working 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, and then going to the football, trying to enjoy yourself, and then having that torn away. Watching that game on Saturday was one of the hardest games I've actually had to watch this season. Not for the fact that it was so close, it was just... Such a difficult watch. It was a struggle to enjoy it. The stop because, start nature. Uh, yeah. I mean, football is a fast-paced game. Every time that you go to Tencastle, you know you're going to get a game that goes 100 mile an hour. It doesn't matter how well Hearts are playing or how well they're not playing because they always come up, they always raise their game and it's always a great game when you go there. But this whole stop-start thing, it was just... Uh, it, it takes the pure... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. 
Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Essence of football away. And you just kind of... If you've got to watch games like that all season... It's just, uh, you're taking the fun out of it, in my opinion. Yeah, you want to be as correct as possible. You want to see these decisions going for you, but you want them to be done to a timely manner so that you're not just sitting there for a couple of minutes going, right, what's happening next? At least all the people that were getting a hard time for leaving early are, are leaving at 90 minutes now, eh? Oh, are they? Are they probably leaving at 65, thinking <laughs> it's going to take 20 minutes to make this decision anyway? Tom... Welcome to the show, Tom. You're watching on YouTube. By the way, that was near. Did I get anybody leaving early? I've, I've not got an issue with it. Um, the VAR is the worst thing to ever happen to football. And in caps lock as well, Tom. So that is your take on it. You're not happy with it. I think it is ruining a lot of the, the emotions of the game, which are a massive part of you know, why you got hooked in the first place. The buzz, Colin, going to these games and, and feeling an elation and you know the, the natural high of that as well. Kieran, 5491. Sadly, all too predictable that VAR wouldn't address incompetent refereeing just means we get to be screwed over by two referees for the price of one. Did, what did you make of some of the, the comments from... I thought uh, Big John Hartson was, was brilliant with his comments. that had to beat two teams, Hearts and the VAR team. Uh, bold, but I can't disagree with it, Colin. I, I don't think he was the only one that kind of alluded to that either. I think Ange was very coy in how he came across. Um, basically saying that Celtic get caught up in the whole sort of um, circus of the year uh, and then Greg Taylor was interviewed after the game as well when he mentioned something very similar so mm. you can tell that it's something that obviously got to the players and got to the management team and um, it always takes me back to the old Jock Steen statement saying look sometimes you've got to beat the team in front of you and the referee as well so I think when you look at it you're hoping that being the better team will get you there. But there is going to be times where something like this is going to cost us. And this is why when people say, you've won the game, stop complaining, stop raising these points. This is the exact time to raise the points. I would agree Because with that. it's not seen that you're saying that, oh, well, this cost us this and this cost us that. You're seen to be saying, we've won the game, but this was a dreadful performance and these things have to be fixed ASAP. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the, the thing is, a lot of people uh, use Jockstein's quote in relation to if you play well enough, you won't talk about the, the referees. However, he did often contradict that quote uh, throughout his time. It's just that sometimes those quotes aren't as readily available. Um, and when you speak to some of the players as well, Colin, uh, like when I was doing the, the book for Andy, Andy used to speak about that. He would prepare you for big games um, and actually mention the, the standard of ref. Uh, there was a game against Rangers where Andy took a really, really bad gash to the, the ankle and Neely Mocking was, was trying to bandage him up and Neely says to him, you knew 
what Jock's told you before the game. You know, we're not going to get these decisions. They're going to hurt you. And that will not go against Rangers. So, um, as well as going back to that point that he made about if you're good enough, the referee isn't a discussion point. There was plenty other times where uh, Jockstein said something completely the opposite in the press and to his players as well. I don't know, but Paul, if you've ever seen the YouTube series Bunch of Amateurs. Um, no. And it's been following the progress of a, a Surrey County League team called Dorking Wanderers. Um, the boy that owns the team basically is a sort of chairman manager um, and he's took them from the Surrey County League, I think it is, right up to the Van, uh, the Vanarama National League. The, va- the Vanarama? Um, that's what Seems it's like a me. Colombian yeah. footballer. I think it used to be, was it the Nationwide that used to be the Conference League or the right. Vauxhall Conference um, back in the days? Um, so he's took them up to the the, the national league or the, uh, the the league below League Two, basically. Right. Um, and I was watching an episode of it last night, and he was talking to his players about how the difference in refereeing as you go up through the leagues. And he was speaking about how you might get certain fouls if you shout loud enough in the league below, because the referees aren't as qualified, they aren't as um, experienced as the referees that you're going to get when you go up to the next league above. Because Mm. it's meant to be that as you go up through the leagues, the referees' levels are meant to improve. Right. And he was saying, basically, you can't just stop there and shout on it and say, oh, ref foul, ref foul. He says, you've got to play to the whistle. And if you play to the whistle, then nine times out of ten, when it comes back to it, the right decision will be made. See if you take this into account up in Scottish football. Yep. How many times have you been at a game where you're listening to the crowd and the crowd shouts for something and three or four seconds later the foul's given? That I'm, What I'm saying here is potentially you've got referees. Now, we've seen it with Bobby Madden where he's went down and thought he was going to be brilliant and get himself into the Premier League. He's now referee in League One and he was one of our best referees in quotes, he was the one that was given the, the cup finals and stuff like that. Mm, mm. No, what you're right. Kind of le- what kind of level are we talking about that these Scottish referees are at? No. Are they going to be taking games like Dorking Wanderers versus Wildstone Ra- uh, Ravers or whatever they're called? <laughs> the, the, the Ravers, yes. Uh, Colin, I think, I think you've explained it perfectly well there, whereby you've given an example where obviously the lower down you are in that in that league structure in England, the worse a referee you are. Uh, and we send down supposedly one of our highest rated refs and he's in the third tier. Yeah. Basically what you're saying, right? And yeah. I think that's that's fair dues. I'm bringing this up because this was one of the cuttings that I, 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 I go back to. And this is from 77 where Jockstein um, actually says in this particular um, interview, where Celtic are concerned, natural justice doesn't always seem to apply. So there you go. That's an interesting one. Um, and I think that Jock knew the the ramifications of the bias that was uh, prevalent in Scottish society and also in the Scottish referees back then. And uh, I still think it exists. So the word bias, I've got no use. I've got absolutely no issue using that, none whatsoever, um, because I think that we all appreciate that that exists, Colin, um, mm. in all walks of life. I'm going to walk through each of them, though. You've already given a, a bit of an idea of some of the decisions. Let's go back, firstly, to the Hearts penalty decision. Cameron Carter-Vickers um, was penalised, penalty given right in front of the referee. Yes or no? It's a penalty. It's a penalty. What's your rationale? What's your thinking? 
the he boy against any of the arguments, any I've, of the arguments I've seen, for I've seen against the arguments, but look, yeah. looking at the, the footage back, um, the Hearts player gets the ball just first. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers is kind of lunging into it, catches with the boy's foot. It's a, anywhere else in the park, it's a foul. For me, that's a, that's a penalty. If it was going against, if it was in the other way about, and Carter Vickers got the ball first and it was him that was attacking and someone came across to do that, um, I'd be looking for a penalty for Celtic. So is that Uvavu or Uranu? Because this is Axon's version of VAR. Um, I'm not quite sure. Nihilist Jack, Champions League using head-to-head over goal difference could prove significant as Shakhtar have plus nine. If we beat them, we'd have the, ho- the head-to-head advantage. Uh, and get third place by battering the result or bettering result, sorry, uh, result on game six. So we will get on to Shakhtar. Um, a few more comments to come up before I move on to the next um, issue in that game. Ian McGinley, do we really have to say anything about VAR? Shambles, incompetence, penalty claim, not checked, on and on and on. Well, you know, we could probably spend the entire show this morning talking about VAR and a big part of it already after 36 minutes has been. But that is because it's a huge talking point. Celtic did come through the game with a win. It might have been a different story, Colin. And this is the issue. And this is why you're saying this is when you bring it up. Imagine we had been defeated, you know, in a game and it was 1-0 and it came down to a decision like we have seen at the weekend, you would be absolutely fuming. Um, you'd be classed as a sore loser, and you'd be saying, that, yep. Yep. Uh, "You've got to take you, you've got to take the blame for it and stop blaming everybody else." That's that's the way people look at it. It's you, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. With us, this is why I try and get away from the word conspiracy because people then present to you, Colin, everything Celtic have won, and they say, "How how can there be a conspiracy when you've been so successful?" Um, and I think it's a lot easier to accept that there are people refereeing Scottish football games who have a bias for and against certain clubs because it would be, you know, impossible almost for that not to be the case. John Sweeney, if the Celtic board don't make a statement, this is another thing I want to ask you about, Colin, about Saturday, then we are going to see more of this cheating at the Livingston game. And we knew with Walsh and McLean doing our game, there would be cheating. Now, whether or not you think it's cheating, conspiracy or bias, I agree with John, something has to be done. What's your take on it? Will, should the Celtic board make a statement? I think the answer to the first bit is no, they won't. No, they should, won't. Should they? I think they'll have a private word behind closed doors because that's what seems to be what Celtic do on this. Um, when it feels as though that they're not backing the team or backing the fans or um, whatever else, I, th- I think what happens is there's a lot of sort of feedback goes to the SFA and, and it comes from a position of power within Celtic, uh, just given what their thoughts are. Now, if you're looking for a sort of change that you think could be made and made in the public eye and have a big circus around it, then Celtic could come out with a statement. They could come out with a, a multi-page dossier, Paul, that suggests where there was inaccuracies. Um, it takes some edges to get a dossier together, though. Uh, it depends who you're, who's writing it up for you. Um, and it could be that you might never see that referee referee another Celtic game for a year because that seems to be a, a common thing that happens across Scottish football. But I think Celtic will continue to be very coy about this and wait for the right time if they're ever going to make a public statement on it. Well, the the chairman last year, Ian Bankier, made it, didn't he, at the AGM, he, mm-hmm. that he had concerns about refereeing. So you're right, you know, if you're looking at how they normally conduct their business, they probably won't do anything 
uh, publicly this week or in the weeks following, but at some point they will choose their moment wisely. Now, uh, another comment coming in, CCV missed the ball and got the foot. It's a penalty, so at least one person agrees with you, Colin. What else do, do you think out there? What's your comments? Was it uh, a penalty for Hearts? I'm going to say I've watched it and watched it again. Um, when I was talking to Liam after the game, I threw that one in the mix as being something that had to be discussed. But having reviewed it, I, I've got to agree with you, Colin. I think that, you know, um, had that been against Celtic, for example, I would have been looking for a penalty. So I mm-hmm. think, yeah, it was a penalty. And I know we're, we're now looking at studs up, etc. But, you know, you're in the box, you're going for a 50-50, you, you make contact with a man who just clips the ball, etc. Yeah, I get it. So it's a penalty. Uh, before I move on to the next one, though, I'm going to have to say sometimes the kindness of people uh, really takes you by surprise, okay? Um, and th- there's loads of negativity flying about in the world, so I think that we need to mention the positive things that happen, Colin. And last week, of course, I've mentioned already that uh, we were really in need of some assistance by the roadside. There was a health issue, and random passing motorists stopped to help us, Colin, and it was just phenomenal. And I'll never know who they were, but it was great that they were able to do that. And just this morning, it's a Monday morning, we're getting stuck into the, the overflow and inbox and getting everything set up for the week. Um, and an Axom viewer by the name of Scott Mason paid us a visit and he had a gift for us. He had a gift that he brought into the studio because he was up in Scotland for the weekend, Colin, and before he headed back down south, he thought, I'll pop into the studio. And he brought in a gift for the Axom team. So brilliant, Scott. Thank you so much for that. Acts of kindness, that's what we're all about. Fantastic, puts a smile on her face. And it did include chocolate as well, so obviously you know me pretty well. So, so CCV, well, there, there won't be by the end of the day. <laughs> CCV, um, anybody disagree with us? Do you think it wasn't uh, a penalty? And this is actually a nice twist to the tale. Strange love the doctor, but would Celtic have been awarded that as a penalty? Now, this, this is where it starts to get interesting. So we're saying, all right, we've conceded that. We've conceded that's a penalty for Hearts. However, if the boot was on the other foot, would Celtic have got it, Colin? What do you reckon? I don't know. I don't See, know. This you'd is like where to, it, like it, to, it turns into like a grey area, doesn't it? You'd like to think so, but considering the one that we didn't get, you can see why people would say that they wouldn't. Um, so I, I'll give it another couple of weeks to see what average is out, but... Um, yeah, going on Saturday's uh, game, they probably wouldn't have. No, it's a good point. Thanks for bringing it up. Um, I'm going to jump to the Ralston goal, right? Because, you know, as we've already mentioned, Ralston was getting a right hard time from the Hearts fans. Um, I think he's one of the players that you think to yourself, that's not going to phase him. What do you reckon? I don't think mm-hmm. that kind of thing would phase Tony no. Ralston. Well, it, it, I thought it wouldn't, and then he had a bit of a sort of blip where he gives away the corner. Yeah, I know right the bit you're talking. That, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean these wee things you get over it. I thought he went on to have a very good game after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just wee sort of small opportunities like that can end up coming back and hurting you. So um, I'm glad he got out of his system. Small margins. It's try to get that advantage, Colin. Um, yeah. Using everything, including the the length of the grass to the the toxic atmosphere to your advantage. Totally. Uh, Ralston obviously sets up the first goal. I thought he'd done ever so well to get the ball over to Forrest, but he scored a brilliant goal himself. A flying header. I mean, we've seen a couple of absolute belters from Ralston mm. last season, and I thought he got another one, and then obviously it's chopped off. 
I thought he was very, very hard done by. I mean, what, what's been given the the foul against Jakimakis? I believe it's the foul against Jakimakis, and to be honest, I think Jakimakis is very hard done by across the whole of the game. There's so many times where there's fouls given against him mm. where there's very little that he can actually do. He's built in the way that he's built. It goes back. I'm, I'm not saying he's the same build as John Hartson. But how many times did it take John Hartson? How many seasons did it take John Hartson to actually get to get given the decisions that he should have been given? Because it's very easy for the referee to take a look at someone of that build and then come up against someone who's maybe only five foot six, five foot seven, and say, "Well, that's got to be a foul then, mm. because he's too big for him." He's, I felt very sorry for Jack and Marcus. I thought he was very unlucky with a lot of these things, and. It's so easy just for referees to say, well, he's done it before, so he's he's going to do it again. And when you look at the goal, there's a bit of kind of, all he's trying to do is just get a, get himself a yard of space. Yeah, I don't think he's actually fouling the player that goes down. The player goes down with the belief that he thinks, Giacomacus is all over me here. He's trying to get a move. He's going to get away from me. If I go down, at least it looks like a foul. And the referee's bought it hook, line and sinker. And unfortunately, that... because of the the rules with VER and basically the, the game stops after the whistle blows, unless you're offside and you go through and score, whatever, you don't get a chance to even go back and take a look at that, whether it should have been a goal or not. And if that's the case, the referee's got to let that play and then go back and look at it. Mm-hmm. Now, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, Yakamakis, though, I think it opens a wider discussion, Colin, because I've noticed that by a number of different refs over a period of time, he gets absolutely no leeway. And no. I, I'm wondering now if he's almost marked out as being a guy that um, even often when he's impeded, he doesn't get the foul. I've noticed that creeping in as well. I remember that. Was it was the second half where the boy was all over him mm-hmm. and basically collapses Yakamakis to the ground and you're thinking that's a stonewall free kick and the, the advantage is played on and you're going it's, it's almost as if um, <laughs> you always get this when there's big footballers players that have got a sort of bulk about them mm, they, either get, they either get every decision going for them or they get absolutely nothing and it all comes down to who they're coming up against Yeah, you've got I, a big striker coming up against a big centre half Mm-hmm. He'll get everything. But if he's up against a, a sort of smaller midfielder, it's got to be seen that there's no way the midfielder can be doing any wrong. No, I, I do feel, and I'm going to be watching my interest, how that develops this season um, with regards to Yakima, because I think that there's a lot of fouls given against him that are uh, unfounded. And there's a, a real disdain at times, and I hate seeing this, Colin, when uh, referees are dealing with our players. And uh, the one... The one Example that I noted in the first half was when Maeda had a chance and it's ricocheted off the, the coupon um, or the face, sorry if you're listening in Latvia, um, the face of a Hearts player and it's gone back behind for a corner, as, as clear a corner as you'll see all season and they get a bye kick and Maeda yeah. instantly goes to the ref and he's told and you can see it as clear as day, go away. He's, he actually says to Maeda, go away. You know, there's a real disdain um, and it's something that you know, we've put up with for, for some time. Ralston goal, according to Paul Joseph Cregan, complete ref 
refereeing incompetency. Um, so I think that uh, there's a lot of agreement on that. CCV's dividing opinion. Some people think it was, some people think it wasn't. But when it comes to the Ralston goal, I've not seen anybody disagreeing here. Please, you know, bring up your, uh, put your comments in if you do disagree and give us your reasoning behind it. I think it was a perfectly good goal and he's been, you know, he's been um, denied a, another fantastic goal because it's a diving header for Tony mm-hmm. Ralston. Um I don't even know if I should ask this. Celtic penalty, yes or no? I mean, there was only two people on the planet watching that thinking that it wasn't a penalty. I mean, we've, we've spoke about it already. Um, uh, and three, look- three people. Was there three, was there? Yeah, you had Nick Walsh, you had the person that was doing the VER, and then you had Michael Stewart in the sports scene. Oh, good point. Yeah, and he's, all, he's normally all right. He that, definitely had tinted glasses on. That was a terrible shout. Um, but one that may not have got as much, it certainly never got as much coverage, was the Abada goal, uh, called off for offside. You look at that back and you think, that was never offside, Colin. It was one of those ones I'd like to have seen it again. But there wasn't any major replays. There wasn't any lines drawn um, to the point of where, I'm trying to think, was it... Um, Shanklin's second goal where they actually drew out the line to show that it was onside and stuff like that mm. why didn't they do that again because Abada actually does the right thing when he's blown for offside he continues through and he puts the ball in the back of the net that's the only way that Celtic would have been given the goal if it actually went to be reviewed because he's actually went through and scored it because it would yeah. be a clear and overturned decision etc but there was no replay, there was no lines drawn, there was no, let's look at this again. And very, very quickly, the game was moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I just feel as if it's one of those ones where it's, if it's that contentious, it was just a case of the decision's been made, let's just move on. Well, we won't move on. We'll continually bring it up, uh, as we do with just about everything Celtic-related. Uh, Monty, welcome back to the show. Monty, Ralston, perfectly good goal. Totally agree with you. Uh, Pat Dolan, Clean sheets. Four in the first five league games since then, shipping goals. I will refer you, Pat, to a wee comment that Ange made after the game. I'd much rather win 4-3 than 1-0. What do you make of that? Because remember, we, we were getting that kind of chat, weren't we, from mm-hmm. uh, those who knew Ange a fair bit better than we did when he was appointed, telling us that that was his kind of mentality when it came to, to winning football games, Colin. Um, what's your thoughts on it? Because Pat does raise a, a valid point there that we are Obviously, conceding conceding goals. I would rather we didn't concede three goals, but um, Ange is quite happy as long as we win the game. I think Ange is more focused on the attack-minded side of the game, and you see it all the time. Even when we lost to Real Madrid and we lost to Leipzig and um, teams like that, it was always a case of we created loads of chances, we're just not taking them. Mm. He never focused on the defensive mistakes that led to the, the goals for the other team. He was always focused on the sort of um, attacking-minded side of the the game. So that doesn't really come as a surprise where he'd rather win 4-3 than 1-0. Yeah, for the neutral, it's probably a great game of football to watch as well. As a fan, it takes about five years off your life um, to the point of how much you're brilliantly celebrating to absolutely raging the next minute. It's it's a, a rollercoaster of emotions and it's not the first time we've seen it under Ange and it won't be the last time we see it under him. There will be games where we'll be that comfortable that we will win 
four, five, six, even nine nil as we've shown so far this season. Mm. But there will be games like that, and it's not the first time we've come up against Hearts where um, it's been the odd goal in a couple that's that's took us through. Remember the yeah. was it the League Cup tie last year? Was it three two? Mm. Uh, Celtic that's Park, right. yep. four yeah, four three at Ten Castle. Mm-hmm. there'll be games like that I, I'm more interested in, the, in your analogy there about it being a roller coaster uh, and obviously that analogy has been banned from Axom so you need to come up with a different ride oh, it's um, been banned? yeah you is can't it, say it is you, it because can't, you something... cannot call a footballer a Rolls Royce of a player so oh, you need right, to come okay. up with something a wee bit more creative mate uh, right? I'll let you think about that give us a shout before the end of the show no roller coasters, the, the, no the Rolls Royces is it just the word roller coaster? Or can you use no, like you've got. I mean, it could, be, a, what, could be the waltzers. Like could be the waltzers. You know, uh, it's just not the same. But is it getting spun around and then coming away and uh, feeling as though you've been on the swally? Could be the ghost train. You know, we had a bit of that a couple of seasons ago. Right, James Forrest. I want to talk about Jamesy Forrest. Uh, written off and written off again. The man, the man. He's a legend. I keep saying it. He's a legend, Colin, and I want to know your thoughts. 101 goals, 99 assists, something like 452 appearances, uh, 14 consecutive seasons, scored goals for Celtic. He's a quadruple treble winner. He's a nine in a row. He's a nine in a row winner. He's going to be one of just 13 players who have made 500 or more appearances for the club. And he done it again at the weekend. Great. Brilliant asset. Brilliant asset for the squad. There was one of the things that actually caught me by surprise was the amount of trophies he's won. And it came up on Sky at the weekend, they had won 20 trophies for Celtic. Mm. Um, and that's that's massive. Having someone of that experience in the dressing room, um, especially when you're integrating these new players, is massive. For me, I, I said after his performances last year, I'd be surprised if he was still here this year. And he's, he's kind of taken his time, but he's proven us wrong. But I also did say in pre-season that he was going to need to be someone who tried to get back to his, his level best. Um, now, last week I was mentioning the fact that he's come through a lot of injuries and there were some dafties in the comments trying to say that he'd never been um, injured to the point of what I was describing. Um, and to be fair to them, I did say that it was um, a sort of arthritis thing, but it was actually a sciatica that he's had. And it's very you can look back on it and you can see that he's suffered with it for most of his career. Now, anybody that's ever suffered sciatica will tell you how sore that is and how hard it is to play through it. I mean, there's certain players down south that will not play uh, for Liverpool because they've got a knee infection at the minute, so you can see how it can affect different people. But when you've actually concentrated on him and kept him fit and worked to his strengths, playing him down that right-hand side is the best place that he can play on the park. You, you really mean that? Cause I, I can feel you going like that, like a politician on your table. You, you really mean that <laughs> I mean, point, don't you? Don't, don't say that politicians mean anything, Paul. Come on. Have you not watched what's happened over the last seven days? I'm afraid um, I have. When you look at it, though, when he was playing on that left-hand side last year, it was to accommodate other players because they were that good. Yeah. And it was to get his experience into the team. Mm-hmm. But it was to his detriment. He wasn't good enough to play down the left-hand side. It definitely needs to be played on the right. I agree with that. It needs to be played on the right-hand side. And I think Celtic have done really well today to bring out the um, the footage of his 100 goals for Celtic. And you look back to some of his... Um, have, they compiled, his have they compiled all the goals, have they? Yeah, they've put all the goals out. Um, it just I thought they'd have saved on. that for a DVD. Uh, I mean, maybe DVD sales aren't great. I mean, maybe we'll move on to being a, moving into the digital era where we can download things, eh? 
uh, the 20th century, apparently, Celtic. Um, but yeah, it's on YouTube just now. You can go and watch it. Um, and even looking back to his early days and when he was breaking into the Celtic team, mm-hmm. he was very similar to... Some of the goals are very similar to what we see from Abada, where he cuts in at the back post to, to tuck the ball in and yeah, he's taking his yep. man on. And um, when you go back to the, the hat-trick that he got the other day, very similar to some of his very early goals for Celtic as well. So give that a watch. Getting getting back to that, having him down the right hand side is going to be a, a good squad option for Celtic this season, 100%. and that's not a detriment to him because he has been here for a long time. And now with the fact that we're missing Jota, um, Haksabanovic um, was kind of not in the the, the the sort of right frame. You had Maeda who's been on and off the boil. Mm-hmm. Um, having someone like James Forrest who can step up and roll back the years to produce a performance like that. It's pivotal for the Celtic team as long as we play him to his strengths and in the right position. No, I agree with that. And it goes back to the very opening point. We were talking about the rotation of the, the, the lineup. if you've got Forrest and Abada, etc. Outright. Um, the Big Dipper. Ever been on a Big Dipper, Colin? The Big Dipper, right? You've got to have been on that. Oh, of course. Uh, the Sticky Wall. Tony Cassidy's obviously been to Kirkcaldy shows um, a few times and the underwater cabbage salesman remembers the teacups well that that's quite a pleasant affair isn't it I mean that's no one that's going to leave you frightened but just don't use roller coaster in the future alright um, <laughs> when we talk about Maida then uh, we spoke about this unbridled elation that you feel every time Celtic score a goal and I always go back to the um, you know the, the games at Ibrox when we were allowed to be behind the goal and you know players like Jerry Craney throwing himself into the, the Celtic crowd and even Cascarino did it after he um, you know he uh, you know he it was a it was a pass back by Nigel Spackman you'll not remember this mate and uh, Cascarino moved in like a whippet <laughs> and he scored and it was one each and he jumped into the crowd and I love seeing that and Maeda did it and there was an embrace between fan and player because he's had a bit of stick recently and mm. his performances haven't haven't been great um, how can that one moment uh, change Maeda's season because it could it could really uh, give him a wee shot in the arm that he needs definitely and you see that with a lot of players that um, that work off confidence um, especially forward players I mean, how many times have you said this guy just needs a goal about a striker or someone yeah, like that to get yeah. him going? We used um, to say that about Cascarino as well. Uh, <laughs> two cages for it to come. Um, but we, we, we've been saying this about players. They, they just need a run of games or they just need a goal to get them going. And it does come back to sort of being match fit and being um, also just getting that confidence back of seeing the ball going into the back of the net. Mm. Because, I mean, whether you're playing five-a-side or you're playing for a team like Celtic I can't imagine there's a, a better feeling than seeing the ball hit the back of the net right. so I mean, I mean when you look at it I don't know if anybody's seen the um, the, vid- the video or the DVD that Celtic released um, looking back at last season but he is someone who speaks about how happy he is to be here he is very um, comfortable working under Ange Postacoglu someone that he calls a father figure um, so I don't think Ange is ever going to throw him under the bus despite some of the performances that he's made. Mm. He's going to play, stick with uh, him. The fact that he played him. Yeah, he's going to stick with him and he's going to see him through. And I think that that will eventually be rewarded and hopefully it was the start of that there on Saturday. 
Absolutely. Um, just checking there, it came on. Uh, when when I look at the when I look at the the age of our team as well, it's um, such such a young team, Colin. That it, it gives it fills you with excitement for what could develop over the next couple of seasons. Um, without checking the Celtic wiki, I'm going to ask you a question, Colin. So keep your mm-hmm. eyes on the, on the prize, mate. Keep your eyes on the mm-hmm. screen. Uh, what do you think, Jackie McNamara is today? Oh, is he 41? No, 43. I seen this earlier on on Twitter. Higher. Is it? 40? He's in his 40s, I know that. Just. He's 49. Is it 49? He's 49 today. Do you know what, 41? That, that, that would be impossible considering all the teams he's managed. But yeah, I seen he was in his 40s, something. Nah. So, and there's quite a few birthdays today as well, I think, amongst the, the ex-Celtic players. But I. Jackie Mack, he is 49 and uh, we wish him all the best, obviously he's came through his own wee health scare as well, so we wish Jackie all the best Colin, it's always a a pleasure to speak to you on a Monday my friend and thank you everybody for getting involved in the comments section, if you haven't done so already get subscribing to A Celtic State of Mind on YouTube, if you want to buy some of our clobber, um, shamrock tracksuits, shamrock tops, harp tops, uh, all that kind of stuff, all the good stuff, just click on the link underneath and you can go to our website and purchase someone for someone's Christmas. Why not, Colin? Eh? We're almost in November. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. So uh, also we're going to be up for an award next month. So uh, looking forward to that. And um, hopefully we'll be able to get a few more videos up before then if uh, we're able to sort something out. All that's left for me to say is uh, if you're going to the game on Tuesday, enjoy it, Colin. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details this week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 
Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.